Hey everybody, thank you for listening to the Small Town Podcast. Connor here. If you find this episode valuable, be sure to share it with your friends and leave a review on iTunes or wherever else you're listening. Also, I invite you to check us out on Patreon if you're interested in helping to support this podcast. You can find a link to that in the description of this episode. All right, enjoy the conversation. Find those things that, that you are just super grateful for, and then go out and, and kind of maximize those things and say, what is, a, what is a bigger purpose of those things? Steve Troxell, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Okay, so this is what I read on the Jackson Sun, and this is why I thought I've got to get this guy on the show. Jackson Man runs 222 miles in 48 hours. Right. Well, they first of all, they got some of that wrong. It wasn't 222. It was 200, okay. 220. 220. Yeah, you okay. got to be careful with okay. those extra. Okay, 220 <laughs> miles. Yeah. Was it 48 hours? It was 48 hours. It was 48 hours. hours. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we started, we started talking before, before we officially began about some of the details, and and you talked about stepping back and looking at the bigger picture. So why don't we start there? First of all, why do you do this in the first place? Um, well, I mean, that's a good question. Why? Uh, and I think uh, kind of like what I um, started to say, I mean, on one level, why does anybody do anything? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you kind of look at uh, how we become who we are, and you wonder, how in the world did I get here? Mm-hmm. And if I if I have to look at it in a, uh, just a slice of time and look at it right now, you know, I might say, well, it, it's something I enjoy. It's something that I seem to be kind of good at. Um, you know, and I, I have to say there, there's probably a bigger picture to it. I, I hope there's a bigger picture anyway. Uh, so if I, w- if I were to back up and if you'd allow me, I'll tell yeah, my, yeah. my uh, running story kind of quickly. Uh, you know, I, I kind of grew up uh, not athletic. And I, I grew up uh, with single mom. I was the oldest of four kids, you know, that kind of story. And I uh, didn't really uh, do sports hardly at all. And I wasn't ever, you know, grossly overweight or grossly out of shape. I just never really did much. I had mm-hmm. childhood asthma. And I, uh, as an adult, I, I went into the military. And so that, that again, kind of kept me semi in shape for a while, uh, but never really a runner at all. Hmm. And then um, I guess I was in my, must have been in my 40s uh, sometime. And I think it was a, around 2002. And it was one of these uh, New Year's Eve re- resolutions where I said, you know, this next year I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become a runner. I'm going to run 500 miles. I, I had no idea where 500 miles came from, but I just said, I'm going to go out and this next year I'm going to run 500 miles. And I, I remember going out New Year's Day, and and that was going to be my start. I, w- I was down in San Antonio, so it was a little warmer. But I went out, and I ran half a mile, and I thought, seriously, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, I kept at it. You know, I'm very goal-oriented, I found out. And we'll get to that, I guess, with, uh, with what I did with this 48-hour. But, yeah. you know, I'm very goal-oriented, and I had a goal, uh, uh. 500 miles. And so I started running, and I was up to five miles a week, and then 10 miles a week, and then, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I, I, I had a good year. I ran 1,500 miles by the end of the year. 
Wow. And uh, in January of that next year, I ran my first marathon, and it was ugly. I crashed and burned terribly. That's a separate story. But, okay. okay. But then the, that next year, I ran 1,000 miles, and then the next year, I, I just quit. Just huh. cold turkey quit. Uh, still kind of stayed in shape, played a lot of pickup basketball for a bunch of years. And then about uh, eight years ago or so, uh, my my second to youngest uh, daughter uh, was uh, in high, starting high school, and she knew that she was going to have to run a mile, and she was pretty nervous about it. And so she asked me if I would go out and start running with her, and so we started running together. And then she wanted to join cross country, and so I started running more with her. And I, I just decided to pick up kind of where I left off. And that year I ran, and uh, it was, I think we started in, in August or something of that year. So I finished out that year running. And then that next year, I just kind of said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, run and try to run more than the 1,500 miles I ran before. And so I, I ran just one mile over what I ran that year. <laughs> <laughs> but, but something, uh, you know, something just stuck. And so every year I ran a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And so this year uh, has kind of gone a little crazy, but this year I'll probably end up with 5,000 miles this year. And that's, that's a lot of miles. Mm -hmm. so <laughs> yeah, it's kind of become uh, part of who I am and, and uh, it's a very integral part of my life right now. Well, that was definitely one of the things I wanted to ask you was how much have you run just in the course of a year? Because people don't People don't run a distance like this and then do no running the right, rest of the right, year. Right, exactly. This is a lifestyle yeah, thing. Yeah, and, and you got to kind of back up, and you want to really be careful with that. I'll, I'll definitely talk about my training, but you you really want to be careful with that because, you know, I I probably run more miles per week than, than really anybody in Jackson. And, uh -huh. and if there's somebody else that does, you know, uh, let me know. But um, it's not a... You know, and I don't say that to say, oh, you know, look at what I'm doing. But, but you got to be, you got to go back several years. And I've been, you know, it's been eight years that every year I've been building up. Mm -hmm. And so for, and, and just real consistently, I, I, I haven't had any big breaks in the last eight years. Mm -hmm. It's just been very consistent buildup if I look at my mileage. And uh, I remember about uh, three years ago or so. Uh, somewhere, the time's kind of weird for me when I get older. <laughs> okay. But uh, somewhere in there, I ran my first 100-mile week, and I thought that was, that was really something. And I, I remember back-to-back 100-mile -back weeks and uh -huh. after a while. And I thought, man, is that, is that even possible? Uh, and now it's like, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll talk about this, too. I'm kind of recovering, so I'm not running much at the moment. Okay. But my normal for this year has been 100-mile weeks, just yeah. consistent 100-mile weeks. You said that you were in the military? I was. Um, yeah, for um, quite a few years. I, I took a early retirement uh, at 16 years. I was an electrical engineer uh, for the later part of the uh, my service. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was a, it was a very, uh, I, I guess it is part of the story. I mean, it, it allows me being retired from the military has allowed me to do a bunch of other random things in my life. 
because it's uh, being retired from the military isn't enough to truly retire, uh, getting that retirement pay, but it is enough to allow you to do uh, uh, random things. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it, it, it allowed me to uh, be on church uh, staff for a while. Uh, it allowed me to uh, teach uh, for a while. I actually taught stati uh, a couple statistics classes here at Union okay. a couple years ago. And I, I was a physics uh, professor at Lambeth uh, for a year. And so just random things. And it, it, uh, I started a, a ministry where we now have a school uh, down in Kenya. And that's, that's probably my main thing right now. But, but that is, again, that's, the, the story gets to be complex because yeah. that is part of the story as yeah. well, is that you run, to try to run 100-mile weeks, uh, you have to have the time to allow you to do that. You know, I have a, a, another good friend, great runner in the area, uh, but he's a, he's a doctor. And so you try and put in, you know, and he runs a lot of miles, and he's a great runner. Mm -hmm. But how much harder is that for him to try to do the things that, you know, his training and be a doctor? Yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm very fortunate uh, to be able to have the time and, and um, you know, because there's a lot of recovery time. And, you know, in midday, I'm able to lay on the couch and, <laughs> and recover. So I have... Uh, I, I say I'm the, the closest you can come to professional runner without actually getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the, what is the benefit that, that this amount of running has on your life? Like what, what does it provide that you don't get from the other things that you do? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. Uh, I don't know that I have a good answer. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, it's, it's a complex thing. Because uh, on one level, I can say, you know, it, it just it gives me that release uh, to go out and and just uh, uh, do something uh, to, to accomplish my goals. And and uh, motivation gives me reason to get up in the morning, gives me reason to get up out out, out the door. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, you know, on some level and I, I'm still wrestling with this a lot. There's a lot of. Uh, uh, existential type of things that go along with it, you know, like, um, well, okay, I'll go there. Um, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll get to, to what I actually did uh, a couple weeks ago, but, um, you know, on, on some level you have to ask the question, how are you able to do something like that? And, and, uh, and we haven't even said what that is really, but, uh, but, you know, on, on, there's a certain level where you have to say there's a bunch of things that contribute to being able to do that. Mm -hmm. and, and of all those things that contribute, there's a whole bunch of them that are completely out of my control. You know, Paul writes about, you know, uh, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Mm. You know, and what I mean by that is that, you know, look, I have the schedule. Uh, I'm 60 years old, and and my legs work, my heart works. You know, I uh, uh, you know, for example, my my mom uh, got cancer when she was 43 years old and died. My sister got brain cancer when she was 43 and died. You know, I'm 60 years old. I never got cancer. Why? I don't know. Hmm. There's nothing that I did 
uh, that that allowed me to to keep doing what I'm doing. I feel like I'm on borrowed time a lot of times, and you know those types of things that are completely out of your control. Uh, yeah, there's some things, some choices I make that are in my control. You know, I choose to put on my shoes and get out the door, but. Uh, you know, I have both my feet to put on the shoes. You know, I haven't been in some stupid accident that that has, uh, you know, crippled me up. Um, You know, and those things I I don't completely understand. You know, uh, I know I'm I'm, uh, I come from a theological background and so I would I would like to be able to clearly say, oh, God has blessed me with those things. But I'm still wrestling with that, with what that even means. Mm-hmm. And so the, the part that I do understand is that, man, I'm just so thankful. I, I'm unbelievably thankful. And I, I know that I have a, a lot of things in my life to be thankful for. And, you know, I, I would like to think that if circumstances were different, I would still find things to be thankful for. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm that type, that type of a person that would be able to do that but uh, I hope that I am mm-hmm. <laughs> but I know that uh, that the things that are in, are in my life I'm I'm extremely thankful for and and to a level where I I feel obligated to do something uh, I don't know why I, I I'm still wrestling with what uh, but you know I I have the ability to to run and I have the ability at my age level, you always got to qualify it with at my age level, but um, I have the ability to, to run kind of well. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that when you have the ability to do something and you can recognize those things that, are, that you were just given, whatever that means, uh, you know, you, you ought to go out and do something with it and see, yeah. see what happens. And yeah. so that's kind of in the state that I'm in is I'm, I, I know that I have the ability to do something and I want to find out uh, how good I can get. So I'm still exploring that. <laughs> well, gratefulness is not a bad state to be in. No, 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 not at all. It, it, it helps uh, get you through the day, that's for sure. Have you seen the movie Chariots of Fire? I have, yeah. Yeah, what you're yeah. saying reminds me of Eric Little a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I know, and, and, yeah. I, and I would like to say the same thing that Man, when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. And, and I, you know, I, I would like to say that. Uh, but to say that, I, I think I would have to have a little more clear idea that, that God actually has a plan for my running. And, and I yeah. want to say that he does. And I hope that he does. Uh, but, man, I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. Well, I guess I just mean in the comparison between the two runners in that movie, one of them is running because he's trying to prove something oh, yeah, you know, to yeah, himself yeah. and to his family and everything. Yeah. And this other guy is just really running because he, it just from a spirit of gratefulness. Yeah. And there's a freedom there. And, yeah. yeah. And, and I don't want to say that, that I, because I'm also at the same time, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm extremely motivated oh, by, sure. by the goals. Yeah. Well, you have to be and, for something um, like this. You know. And so, uh, well, you, you take this where you want to go next. <laughs> no, go, go for it. <laughs> well, if, if you look at, okay, you started with what, what did I do? I ran 220 miles in, in 48 hours. Uh, well, let, uh, we should probably say what that was. Uh, there was a, a race, um, I guess three weeks ago, three weeks ago r- tomorrow, uh, that was up in a dome uh, up in Milwaukee. 
And so people hear this and they think it's crazy. And I'm sure you'll ask about, well, what's the mental side of that? But, but it was an indoor track. And it was a track. It was a three-lane track that was uh, around ice skating rinks in in a ice center up in Milwaukee. Okay. And and the track was uh, 445 meters, which which is about if you take a normal track uh, anywhere. And I actually trained this way for quite a while on one of the local tracks. But if you run on the seventh or eighth lane. That's about the, the same distance as the track that, that we ran on. Okay. And so a 48-hour race, uh, the way it works is they just say go, and the clock starts. And you can do whatever you want. You can stop whenever you want. You can rest whenever you want, uh, mm. eat, go to the bathroom, do whatever you want. But the clock keeps going. And they track your miles, and, and uh, at the end of 48 hours, they say how many miles. And so, and I'll talk about goals if you want later, but um, so the, the old record for um, over 60 was 184 miles. And they have different records with whether you're a, a track or a, a road. And this, surprisingly, th- this actually, uh, the official is that this was a road race. Okay. And the reason is, is that anything bigger than a regular track is considered a road. And so since this was just a little bit bigger than a regular track, it was considered a road. But the track record was, was just over 200 miles. Okay. And the old... And this is within 48 hours. Both within 48 records. hours, yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. And they have similar ones for 24 hours, and they actually have ones for six day, Okay. which is a different story. But Good. But, yeah, I know. But uh, the old world record was 218. Okay. And so I went in thinking that I had a shot at, at the world record. Yeah. And so I, all my training and all my mental prep was to, to break the world record from, for the over uh, 60. And two weeks before uh, the race, uh, the, the IAU who um, monitors uh, world records updated their stats uh, to a guy, uh, to include a guy that actually broke the record a, a couple years ago, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't updated on their oh. form to 235 and so that was okay. I, I just let that go that <laughs> it was too 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 late to try to change that okay so but what that means is that uh the 220 is the second most miles uh for someone over 60 in 48 hours the second most in the world ever uh-huh and so you know that, that I, I i guess that's a big deal yeah so how does that vary by age? Like, what are the like? First of all, what are the different segments? And then there are separate records for different age segments. Yeah, Is that a- how that works? absolutely. Okay. Uh, the, you know, it, it and in general, uh, the, the younger um, certainly run more. And and as you get older, particularly as you get old over sixty, uh, things uh, slow down a lot. Um, you know, and I'm I'm still exploring that, and I'm hoping that I don't slow down as much as I see the records slow down hmm. uh, by time. And the, the the increments are five years, okay. and so the the world record, and so then they'll have an open world record, and I, I believe the open world record is something like two sixty nine two seven. I I may be wrong about that, but I think that's about what it is. Okay. Uh. So and and and. 
you know, like like um, marathon runners, you know, they they will, might reach their prime in their 30s or early 30s or something, um, late 20s, early 30s. Um, long distance, 48-hour runners, some of the best in the world are in their 40s. And that's really where hmm. you're, and, and you know, there might be multiple reasons for that. One is that the younger, younger kids, <laughs> the younger kids uh, just think it's stupid to run like that <laughs> and don't get in that world. They just don't have the motivation. Uh, so. It could be because they're definitely faster. Oh, uh, speaking of which, uh, so at the same, the same, this was kind of funny at the same time. So I'm in a 48 hour race. And so we start on Friday morning. Well, at the same time, on the same track, they they had uh, two different 24-hour races going on. So they had a 24-hour race starting on Friday and then a 24-hour race starting on Saturday. Well, the 24-hour race starting on Saturday included a guy named Zach Bitter who wanted to set the world 100-mile record. Okay. okay. The, the world record for 100 miles. And so he's going to run on the same track as, as me. I'm on my second day. I'm in a 48-hour race and 60 years old. And here he is uh, setting, you know, on the second day, uh, running a 100-mile world record. So this is how fast you can do 100 miles? Yeah. Is that the yeah, idea? Yeah. Okay. And, and, oh, man, he was so fast. He was almost running two laps for every one of mine. And wow. so for, for 11 and a half hours, he ran 100 miles in 11 and a half hours. Did he break the record? He did. He wow. broke the world record. Okay. And uh, so to put in perspective, I know you're, you're a, you do some running. But he ran a six, uh, like 640-something pace, 648 pace, maybe for, for 11 and a half oh hours. Oh, my gosh. It was incredible. Wow. And so he's just passing me every, every couple minutes. You yeah, know? yeah. And so it was, it was something amazing to see. Well, I, I mean, I, I barely consider myself a runner. I mean, I've, I've definitely experimented with it. I did a marathon as a New Year's resolution, yeah. but I don't, I don't consider myself a good runner by any means. There are a lot of things looking back that I, I know that I should have done differently sure, sure. in terms of just training and yep. overall discipline. Yeah. It was very much an experiment. So yeah. it's given me an appreciation for the world, though. And right. so, I, you know, I have, a, I have a greater appreciation now for stuff like this. And well, in, in 2014... Uh, another uh, resolution that I had at the beginning of the year is I said, you know, I, I'm going to I want to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Yeah. And uh, because I had, you know, I, I, I saw what the pace that I needed and I saw that I can hold that pace for a couple miles. You know, I, I mm -hmm. should be able to train and, 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 and get so that I can hold that pace for a marathon. And so, you know, the Boston, you have to qualify for it at a, mm -hmm. at a separate uh, marathon. And so I, I trained, and I didn't know anything about training. And I got one of these free uh, training plans online, and I tried to follow it. And I, I was disciplined, but I, I just didn't really know what I was doing with paces and stuff. And so I went out, and I tried to qualify, and I just crashed and burned bad. Mm. And, uh, you know, similar story, you know, you get to about 18, 20 miles, and it just, you die. 
Yeah. Yeah. What is it about that particular <laughs> segment of the race? Well, the, the, there is actual physi- physiological things, and it has to do okay. with uh, glycogen storage in your body. Okay. Uh, you just run out of energy, and you're, you're you're not used to processing that on the level that you should. Because I definitely felt that. Yeah. And it yeah, was around. Yeah. I think it was. I think it was mile twenty when it yeah. really sunk in. Yeah. And you know, one of my lines is everything comes down to training. Mm. So, so, but as soon as I, I crashed and burned at that, that was in, um, maybe April okay. of that year, I, I immediately went out and signed up for another marathon in September and, and, but, uh, but that, and, and there's a, another story with this one is that, you know, crashing and burning, it, 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 you know, epic failures can be a, a benefit in your life. Uh, you know, there's some life lessons I'm sure here, but. You know, with running, uh, an epic failure uh, is can be good if you turn that into something good. And and what I turned it into at the time was, I said, man, I I must have done something wrong. So I'm going to research this, hmm. and I just spent so much time uh, trying to figure out, you know, why did this happen? You know, I I thought that I was ready, and why did this happen the way it did? Hmm. And the things that I found was like, oh yeah. I mean, this could have been actually predicted based on the way that I trained. Uh, this is exactly what my training said was going to happen. Wow. And so I went out and I changed up my training. And in September of that year, then I qualified for Boston. And in 2015, I, I ran the Boston Marathon. And so, you know, I, I ran, um, well, just real quick history of that. So I ran, in 2015, I ran... Uh, so I had to qualify, and I, I think I qualified with a 230, or I mean, <laughs> a 335, something like that. I ran Boston and ran a 330 at Boston. And then I, uh, I might have done St. Jude, 323. Uh, I went up to Chicago, 321. Hmm. I ran another one, I forget where, but... But anyway, th- this this last April, I I ran uh, Nashville, and ran just under a 3:14, and so I definitely have a goal of you know three hour barrier is kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it is. And yeah. and so I I I would like to think that I have a sub three hour uh, marathon in me. What did you say your time at the Boston was? Right at 3:30. 3:30. Yeah. Okay. And so what was the what's the minimum? There's a minimum requirement. Well, that's age dependent. Just age dependent. So okay. at the time I was, um, was I 50? I must have been 55 to 59. I guess I still, yeah, I still would have been that. So I think it was, uh, the, the time was 340 at the time. And okay. I think I, I think I got a three, 335 or something to qualify for that. That's, so. that's a good speed, <coughs> man. That's something that a lot of people don't realize about some of these marathons is that some of these, they don't let just anybody do them. You have to, you have to qualify to get yeah, in. Not, not too many of them, but, but yeah, the, the big ones, yeah. uh, certainly Boston and Boston yeah, yeah. is kind of the one that they kind of, you know, in the marathon world, yeah. you know, I've arrived, I've done Boston. But. Well, when I, w- the, the one that I did was uh, St. Jude in Memphis yeah, and there were yeah. people running the St. Jude marathon just to qualify just to for qualify, the Boston. Yeah. There's certain marathons and, and a lot of them are that way anymore. But there, you know, some marathons are not qualifiers, mm. uh, but a lot of marathons are. And to be a Boston qualifier, you have to be a certified course. Mm. And then there's some requirements on, 
uh, on the type of course that it is. And it can't be uh, too much of a downhill race. Yeah. Those kind of things. But. What was your What was your pace on this most recent achievement of yours? Because <laughs> yeah, I imagine yeah, yeah. that it was pretty, it was, imagine it was much slower. Yeah, than, so than everybody it. asks that. You know, what was your pace uh-huh. uh, for a 48-hour race? And w- what I generally say is, you know, for, for a, a, a long race like that, pace just doesn't make sense. Okay. And, and the, the, I'll, set, I'll, I'll let you know what it is, because you can, you can calculate it. But, um, but the problem with it is that it, it, it doesn't take into account when you, when you talk about, like when you talk about a marathon, what's your average pace? Um, your pace, or, or like a 5K, uh, you can talk about your average pace, and your pace in the first mile is pretty much the same as your pace in your second mile yeah. and your third mile. Yeah, it's more stable. And, and, and in the, the, the marathon, kind of the same thing, unless, unless like, like you and I did in our first marathons, we crash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your last uh, six miles are going to be a lot slower. Yeah. But if you have a good marathon, um, you, you know, your, your first miles aren't going to be that much different than your last miles. Um, in, a, in a long race like this, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about strategy if you want, but but, uh, you know, you have to take into account, for some people, you have to take into account sleep breaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to take into account you stop and eat. You have to go to the bathroom. You know, you have to take walking breaks and, and all that kind of stuff. So, so you can talk about average pace. And average pace, uh, I, I actually haven't figured it exactly, but it's, it's probably uh, over 13 minutes, somewhere between 13 and 14 minutes a mile. And see, there's one of the dangers uh, about <laughs> the slippery slope world of getting into these long, long races is because on paper, you calculate that out and you say, man, all I have to do is, is average, let's say it was 1330. All I have to do is average 13 uh, minutes and 30 seconds a mile and I can set a world record. <laughs> and so on paper, it's just like, Man, 13 minutes and 30 seconds, that's so easy. Uh, Anybody can do that. And uh, so it it lures you into that world of saying, hey, I can do this. And, you know, what you don't take into account is that, you know, your your body is going to just break down. And there's so many people at a race like that that are just uh, reduced to, to just limping around the course uh, by the time they get to, you know, 36 hours or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so the whole, you know, trick, if you will, uh, to something like that is actually, in my opinion, uh, the trick is to, to manage your uh, energy level or manage your uh, energy reserves, uh, your muscle fatigue. And so what I did, and and it was based on somebody else who's a real good uh, long distance runner is I actually implemented uh, more of a walk run strategy from the very beginning. Okay. So my, my first miles, my very first miles were, uh, averaging, uh, probably over 11 minutes a mile. And so I would, I would run and generally on something like that, I would run in the low nines. So I might run at a nine fifteen, and then walk, uh, 
between a 14 and a 15 minute pace and kind of break that up. And so keep that consistent uh, for just a longer period of time. Hmm. And so what's interesting about something like that is, is what happens is, uh, and you have to mentally really be ready for this and know it's going to happen, is that in the first handful of hours, you're going to be way down in the standings. You know, you're going to be, you could be rock bottom because everybody else is going out there and just running at an easy pace. And their easy pace might be, you know, 10 minute pace or yeah. 930 yeah. pace. And, and I'm, you know, slogging away at a, 1130. And so you're going to be way down in the standings and you got to just be patient because what happens is, you know, those people are, you know, end up slowing down. And when they slow, they just slow more dramatically. Mm-hmm. And so I, I remember I was, uh, you know, kind of once settled, once things settled out after a handful of hours, I was like 18th, I think, and kind of stayed around 18th place. Out of how many? Uh, there was probably not not a whole lot, but there was probably 40. Okay. Maybe. All right. All right. Somewhere in there between 40 and 50, I think, uh, in the 48-hour race. And, and uh, I ended up second overall. Uh, in the race and the guy actually that that uh, won the race hey I was never I had had zero uh, hope of winning the race because he I think he was a world record holder okay I mean he's really good okay so but yeah that strategy worked really well for me and and I think um, uh, again on paper it looks very doable uh, but I think I have a shot at the world record, and so I, I fully intend. Oh, is he going to try it again? Yeah, I fully intend to try it again. Um, do you yeah. have a Do you have a uh, a date set for that? Uh, not officially. They They are going to do this uh, same race again next year. Okay. Uh, next summer, and you know, it's even though it sounds uh, kind of goofy running around in circles like that. Um, it's a controlled environment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's inside. You don't have to worry about the rain and weather. It's it's uh, between 50 and 55 degrees inside, which interesting for a runner. Uh, that's that's really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. uh, 50s is is a real good temperature yeah, for a runner. Yeah. For crew, so I had my wife and a good running friend uh, went up there with me, and but for crew, it's it's brutal. Just brutal because they're not moving around. Yeah, yeah, their heart and, rate's not. Oh, uh, they're trying to sleep and stuff, and it it just gets cold. I had a fr- my friend w- went up there and and he didn't pack enough clothes, and he saw that clearly after the first okay. hour, and so he he went out to the store to try and find some long underwear or something, and he couldn't find any. He says, "What is this? We're in uh, Wisconsin, and we can't find any." Uh, long underwear <laughs> meanwhile you're running and you feel yeah, great. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 there's guys running without shirts on you know it's so yeah but so anyway it's a it's a kind of an ideal environment and so um and and you're you're run you know there's there's some other uh places where people set records where um it might be a one mile loop or or even more but uh but the nice thing about a short loop like this is you're you're always close to your crew mm-hmm. so you're always close to your aid station um you know and and those guys my wife and, and friend really took care of me really well out there i didn't have to think about anything we had a plan for how many calories i was gonna take in and they tracked that for me and and so i didn't have to think about it once we get into details 
if you're willing, I'd love to go into that stuff yeah, to see, anytime. you know, just technically, what does it look like yeah, to do yeah, this? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I also though want to hear, I, I want to hear about the mental side of things. Like how do you mentally stay in the zone for that length of time? Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, again, people ask that question and, and, and that's a, I mean, it's a good question. It's a valid question. Again, I, I don't know that I have a good answer for it. You know, some of it comes from, you know, as part of your training, you're running a lot of miles. You know, I, yeah. I went out and, and a lot of my training runs, I, I was up to running, uh, 20 miles a day, pretty consistently. I had a, I had a real good training block for this thing. Uh, and I would go out to the track, one of the local tracks, and I would, I would run out there for four hours, um, just running around in circles. And, mm. and so y- you kind of get used to, I would listen to things. I'd listen to podcasts, listen to audiobooks, listen to music, and, and uh, just kind of becomes part of your training. I, so I don't know that the mental side of it wasn't really a challenge. I'm not sure I know okay. why. I'm not sure I, I said can say that, well, I, I trained this thing or trained that thing. I, um, it just wasn't really an issue. I, I, I'm kind of analytical. And so I, I spend a lot of time thinking about, um, oh, where am I at? You know, am I on pace? Uh, am I, you know, uh, right where I need to be? I remember uh, <laughs> one thing that actually probably helped. I, I hope it didn't help too much because I would like to think I could just do this if I went out and, and with nobody else out there. But there was a, there was another guy out there that was in my that was older than me, a couple years older than me, um, that was just went out at a blistering pace and was just so far ahead of me. And and I got I started thinking, crud, you know, not only do I have to you know, break this number that I've set as a record, but I've got to beat this guy mm-hmm. because it's not going to do me any good if I, if I meet my goal, but he gets more miles, you know, and so I have to beat this guy. And, and he was, he was a, quite a ways ahead of me. Um, at the hundred mile mark, I think he was a couple hours ahead as far as the, the way that timing works out. But, but he was a real good runner, but, but, you know, I, I was just trying to be patient and trying to stick with my plan. And pretty soon he had to go down for a, a sleep break. And when he came back from that, he was just never the same. Huh, interesting. And so I, 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 always, I was looking at him all the time, seeing you know, how quickly I was catching up to him. And so for many hours, many hours, I was kind of like, uh, okay, there he is half a lap ahead. Okay, now he's a quarter lap ahead. Okay, now I'm passing him. Mm-hmm. And then how long is it going to take before I can see him again, you know, coming around? So, so those kind of mental things that you, that you go through. Um, but really, I don't have any, any tricks or anything. Well, the reason why I asked was that was one of my big weaknesses. I think that was where I went wrong was I don't think my, I don't think my head was in the right place. Oh, yeah. And I don't know what that place is. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't have the vocabulary yeah. to describe it. But Yeah, I don't even. I know one of the... Well, the best, the, really the undisputed best ultra runner of, of all time, Giannis Kuras. Uh, there's a there's a, a, a interview I watched with him, and I mean he has all the world records and and, and world records that just uh, are seem to be untouchable. The guy's incredible, but uh, he talks about actually having these out of body experiences, where he'll be in these multi day. Uh, 48-hour, six-day races, mm-hmm. and he'll talk about 
actually watching himself run <laughs> from above. Yeah. And that never happened to me, but, but I, I was thinking about that, is, is uh, you know, just thinking about being separated from my body and, and, um, and kind of analyzing uh, separate from my body. Okay, uh, body, how are you doing? Uh, okay, you're, you're running, uh, how, you know, and just, just processing through your body how different parts of your body uh, are, are feeling and how they're working and, and that kind of thing. So that was interesting. But, you know, for 48 hours on your feet, you, you got a lot of time to go through a yeah. lot of different iterations oh, yeah. on things. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and your body's doing the same repetitive thing yeah. over yeah. and over yeah. and over again. There was only one time, uh, and it was, it was probably in the, the second night, you know, so that would have been, you know, somewhere between 38 and 42 hours, you know, in or some somewhere around there. Um, I, I just got really tired and I, I decided to kind of walk a couple laps uh, without doing any running. Uh -huh. And they had this kind of barrier on the inside because it was an ice skating rink on the inside. So it was like this cushion barrier that was about uh, waist high. And and I remember uh uh, running my hand along that and just letting my eyes close huh. <laughs> and at one point maybe maybe a, a half a lap had gone by and just thinking did I fall asleep <laughs> during uh -huh. that time so uh, while you're still moving while I was still moving yeah, yeah, yeah. did you have any hallucinations no I didn't I, people talk about that too um, generally I think uh, that is more common once you get more into the third day of sleep deprivation. Okay. You know, and, and I should say also that in a 48-hour race, you know, like I said, any, you can do whatever you want. You can, uh, you can stop when you want. You can, you know, take breaks when you want. I knew uh, based on my planning, and I had, I had one good race before that where I, where I really gave me confidence that I could do this. But um, I knew that for 48 hours, I really couldn't take any sleep breaks. Uh, and if I did, they kind of had to be limited to a 20-minute cat nap mm -hmm. uh, or else I just wasn't going to make it. Uh, but there's people, I mean, there's people that have different goals and stuff. And yeah. so you can, and which is fine. And you can, uh, if you want to, you can run for a while. There, there was people that did this. You can run for a while. You can go back to the hotel and take a shower and go out to dinner with your wife and mm. go back and run some more. Wow. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no rules as yeah. far as that goes. Yeah. So it's, it's a matter of what you're trying to accomplish. So when the 48 hours is up, they yeah. stop the clock. And so I, I, I did at one point try to go down for a short nap. I, I thought I was going to be able to fall asleep. It didn't work at all. Uh, and so I, I got to change that uh, probably. But I, I, I went and uh, I just said, okay, I got to lay down, crew. And, uh, you know, get me up in 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I laid down and, and I, I couldn't even come close to going to sleep. You know, you're, Do they let you take anything that helps you fall asleep uh, while you're during the race, like melatonin or anything like that? Uh, you probably could, yeah. I, I don't know that it would help that much. Because it takes about 30 minutes yeah, to kick in anyway. Yeah. So. But, but sure, yeah. I, I don't, yeah. melatonin isn't a banned substance or yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, your, your legs, as soon as you stop, as soon as you lay down, all those little uh, uh, aches and pains that have been suppressed because you're, mm -hmm. you're plugging along all of a sudden start to, to scream at you. And so yeah. your legs are hurting. 
and and you got noise going on. I didn't have earplugs and and uh, trying to get comfortable. It, it just mm-hmm. didn't work at all. So I kind of laid there for about 20 minutes, and it was nice to get off my feet. But after that, I just said, no, nah, this isn't going to work, and got back up and got going again. I've heard stories of um, people who have done these super long-distance runs, and when they when they lay down to take their nap, it's like their brain tries to put all the deep sleep into one, you know, 10-minute increment or something. Yeah, so they yeah. wake up, and they actually feel pretty rested. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the key is that if you – if you're going to, this wouldn't work. Uh, like, like I said, there's, there is a six day race as well. And I'd like to dip my toe into that, uh, mm-hmm. sometime, but you, you have to change your strategy for that. Yeah. That you have to go down for, for, you know, good two hour increments or something like that. Uh, but, but you can, uh, get yourself into a deep sleep. You probably have to practice this and I didn't practice it at all, but you can, if you allot 20 minutes, uh, of sleep. Yeah. And that's part of the other problem is you always got overhead associated with that of getting yourself ready to sleep and mm-hmm. waking back up and getting going again. But yeah, it can have a surprising, uh, effect on you. That You'd you have can, to give your brain cues of things that it can associate with sleep yeah. so that it's easier yeah. to fall asleep. Maybe that's yeah. it. Yeah. I also want to get one of these, uh, noise canceling headphones. Oh or yeah. 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 I think yeah. that would help uh-huh. a lot too. Man, that's all these little pieces that that people don't realize are part of the equation. Oh yeah, like yeah. having to having yeah. to train sleeping. Yeah, and uh, so you wanted to get into diet, so because uh, the the things that you eat during a race. Yeah, and and a little bit less so in in a the longer you go, uh, because you're not actually pushing your body quite as hard, but. <coughs> But uh, GI issues are one, like for, for example, a hundred mile race. So, mm-hmm. so I've done several hundred mile races. Um, in a hundred mile race, they say, whoever they are, but, but they say that GI issues are, are one of the number one reasons for people not finishing those yeah, races. I've heard that also. And yeah. because you get into them and, and you haven't really practiced on, on the eating part of it and you're, you're stressing your body as you're trying to, to eat and your stomach just goes berserk mm-hmm. and you, you aren't able to finish. You aren't able to process calories and, and all that. So fortunately, uh, going into this race, I've, I've done some work on that area, on what I'm going to eat during a race. Uh, and it's worked well for me. And so I, I didn't have any stomach problems at is all. Is that just a question of what kind of food you consume? Is that uh, It is. Um, so, so here's the theory with that. <laughs> and uh, so your body can really only process, um, say, 250 to 300 calories an hour. Okay. So, so no matter how much you shovel in, your body can only process 300 calories an hour. Well, you burn about 100 calories a mile. Okay? So even in a race like this, which is pretty slow, uh, you know, I, I'm going to be running in the beginning more than five, more than five miles an hour, a little bit more than five miles an hour. And so I'm burning 500 calories an hour and I'm, I'm trying to consume, well, I'm not, but, but max you're going to be able to process is 300 calories an hour. So you, so you got a deficit going yeah, on there. Yeah. Well, if you, if you put your stomach in a, in a position where it has to 
process the maximum amount, you're just causing a lot of stress on your digestive system. And so if you can train your body to, to get by on less calories, um, it, it, it takes a lot of pressure off your digestive system. Well, to do that, you have to, you know, your whole diet has to kind of be moved around so that you are training your body to burn fats more. Um, we talked about uh, the problem with um, uh, running out of energy in a marathon. Yeah. Well, one of the things that happens with that is you can only store about uh, two hours, two to three hours of, of uh, energy stores of, of glucose in your you know, readily accessible system in your body. Uh, and then you're done. You've, you've burned them all up. Uh, and so after you're done with that, you start burning fats. Well, even, even you and I, uh, who don't, you know, we'd have to say we don't have a lot of fat on our body, but, but the fats that we have uh, are enough energy to go th thousands of miles. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is you have to train your body how to access them mm -hmm. and how to, how to burn them effectively. And so if you can do that even just a little bit better, so that you can have access to uh, more fat stores as you're running. Then you can get by on less uh, input calories uh, when you're in the race. And if you can get by on less input calories, uh, then you can put less stress on your gut. And less stress on your gut means you're going to have less GI issues. <laughs> and so I, I kind of do that in general. I think uh, is I, I think I've, I've learned to become a better fat burner, and so I, I get by on a little less calories. Uh, I'd like to maybe do better at that. Uh, our goal was to to consume uh, 200 calories an hour, and so that was kind of our target, and we kind of stuck to that. Is it also a, a carb fat ratio question? So if uh, you eat more fats than carbs, your body gets used to yes in, processing in, in the fat? general. In, yeah. in, in your general diet, yes. And, and your training method comes into that as well. Uh -huh. But, but um, uh, during the race, no, it's, you, you don't really want to take in fats during the race. Right. And it's really right. kind of funny because, like, I, co I coach cross country. And, and I, I'm always after the kids, man, you got to stay away from sugars. And I don't allow them to bring mm -hmm. any kind of Gatorade to practices or anything like that. Uh, but, but so, so I'm really the, the anti-sugar guy, uh, and clean up your diet, et cetera, et cetera. But man, in a race, you just eat junk. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you basically eat sugar water, you drink sugar water and, uh, and, uh, eat candy and, and garbage. And, and, uh, I think I'm, I might be sh suffering from some of that now. I'm still trying to recover. But the, the idea during a race like that is, is you need to have access to quick sugars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quick carbohydrates yeah. that can... Things you can process quickly. Process quickly. Yeah. Not good in your normal diet, uh, but in a race, it, it, you kind of need that. Uh-huh. Is this in liquid form or, or solid form? So um, in this one, it was a little of both. I've done some 100-mile races where I, I just did liquids. And that works. Uh, this one I kind of, uh, and ma maybe it was because it was colder. I, I thought that um, I didn't need as many liquids. Uh, but I kind of split it up a little bit where, 
you know, the majority was still liquids, but I kind of supplemented with uh, whatever else uh, felt like it was going to be good. I had some cookies and uh, Coke actually works really well, too. Oh, does it? Okay. Yeah, because it, it, not only is it calorie dense, uh, but the, it kind of helps uh, the, the fizz kind of helps settle the stomach a little bit. Mm -hmm. And of course, the caffeine. Well, uh, I wanted to ask you about well. that. Like, yeah, does caffeine, is that helpful or does that pose a problem because there's a crash at the end of the Yeah, at the end and, of the and high? I, th I think that uh, for me, the, the, the Coke definitely helps. And maybe okay. at this point, it's psychological. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but if uh, it works, it works. Yeah, that, that's kind of the thing. We have, a, yeah. we have a standing joke with things that... Uh, you know, placebo effects are real. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you think it's going to oh, work and it, it changes yeah. your mentality that yeah. it's working, it, it's it's okay. So I don't question it. Coke uh, works. I get really bothered. There was one race we did uh, up in Paducah where they, they just didn't have Coke on the table. And so I, I had to have somebody go find me some Coke. So I'm kind of kind of a slave to that uh, late in the race. At the St. Jude Marathon, and you've probably seen this because you've done a lot more, you've, you've been in the race scene a lot more than I have, but they had, all along the way, they had different alcoholic beverages that they offered. <laughs> yeah. And I remember thinking, like, yeah. this is, a, like, why would you serve this to yeah, runners? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> well, again, uh, the, the marathon's a good example, too. There are some people that are there specifically because they have a goal in mind. Yeah. You know, and, and so I run... I only run a, a – ideally, I'd like to just run one marathon a year. I, I'm still chasing the, the state records for age. They don't have age groups. They have age-specific records. Uh -huh. And so I, so I have the 58-year-old and the 59-year-old state record. Uh, but I had to run two marathons <laughs> this last year to get the 59-year-old because I ran St. Jude. I think you ran St. Jude this last year. Uh, Memphis. No. Yeah. Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. And and it got hot. It was hot. Yes. Yeah. Because they started late. They started yeah. late, and then it got yeah. warm. And yeah. And so I I didn't uh, run as well as I had hoped in, at that one, and so I I had to uh, do another marathon training block and run Nashville then in mm -hmm. April. Uh, but you know, and I'm I'm gonna train. I'm scheduled for St. Jude this year again, in Memphis. Uh, okay. I the problem is, uh, this is taking me longer to recover from this race and I, I don't know that I'm going to have a real good marathon block so if I can you know if I can run the time that I want to run there I won't run another marathon mm -hmm. uh, while I'm 60 but if I if I don't run the you know if I don't get the time I'll probably be tempted to run Nashville again so if I wanted to run an ultra marathon Yep. How would I go about doing that? <laughs> Walk me through the, the setup phase. Yeah. Uh, you, you should probably uh, go get some counsel and uh, try to think of something else that you <laughs> want to do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, an ultra marathon by definition is anything longer than a marathon. Mm -hmm. That defines ultra marathon. It doesn't have to be 48 hours. It doesn't have to be 200 miles. You know, the, 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 the common distance, uh, the common standard distance is a 50K, which is uh, 31, just over 31 miles. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that would be a, a place to start, certainly, if you wanted to do that. And then there's a 100K, 62 miles, and then there's a 100-miler. A uh, people that get into the uh, ultra world, 
the hundred mile is kind of the the thing that they kind of set their sights on and said, you know, I really want to accomplish uh, finish a hundred miler. Yeah. Um, the 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 big thing is you, you if I were to counsel somebody on it, uh, you just have to get out there and run, and you have to be consistent. Uh, one of the uh, and and I've gotten a lot less call it evangelical about this training philosophy. I used to go back a couple years and I was just all over people about uh, training methodology. Okay. And I've kind of, these days I've kind of like said, you know, this, I, I think this w will work, but you got to do what you want to do. <laughs> and okay. So, but, but yeah, that's interesting. I would have expected it to be a lot stricter in yeah, terms of like know, most, yeah. most people, I'll say this, most people, when they're going out, and especially in the beginning, most people go out and they train too fast. Okay. Uh, you you simply go out and you see what pace you want to run, and, and every every pace is every time you go out and run, it's just fast. Mm -hmm. And the next time you go out, you see if you can get faster than what you went last time, and then you see if you can get faster. And and so it's like, okay, I know I want to run this pace for a marathon. And so every time I go out, I'm going to run that pace and I'm going to just try and do it longer and longer and longer until I can get up to 20 miles at that pace. And then I know that I'm going to be able to run a marathon at that mm -hmm. pace. Well, it's, I don't think that's it, you know, and I, I have research to back it up from people, but I would tell you, that's not a good way to train. The, the best people in the world don't train that way. Mm. And so the vast majority of your training needs to be at a slower pace. Uh, put it in perspective. When I ran... Uh, Nashville. So my Nashville pace was a 721 for, for, uh, for a marathon. Mm -hmm. um, I hardly ever go out and run at a 721. You know, most of my miles will be in the 930 pace. So that's, that's two minutes slower than my marathon pace. So it, it doesn't say that everybody has to run it two minutes slower. If you're a, you might be a, you know, a, a four hour marathon is just over a nine minute pace. You're not, you don't have to go out and run at 11-minute pace, but, but you should run significantly slower uh, than your marathon pace and just, just have patience to build up. Uh, and what you're doing is there's, there's an, you know, this is too technical for this podcast, but you know you got an aerobic system and you got an anaerobic system. And for a marathon, it's like 99% aerobic that you're trying to run. And so you need to develop that aerobic system. And the mm -hmm. best way that you do that is by slowing down, yeah. uh, running at a slower yeah. pace. And, and here's a big end, you got to put in the miles. You need to be consistent. Uh, if you want to run an ultra marathon and you want to do that by going out three days a week, uh, you know, even four days, you're going to be in a world of hurt. <laughs> you can finish yeah. it. Yeah. You know, one of the little secrets about, you know, even a hundred mile race if your goal is to finish a hundred mile race, like I'm going to do a, a hundred miler up in uh, Illinois called Tunnel Hill uh, in November, but th this is very common. There, there's there's some real hard hundred milers, and there's some relatively easy hundred milers. Tunnel Hill is a relatively easy hundred miler, if there's such a thing as an easy hundred miler. But I mean, it's it's flat. It's on a rails to trails. Just, That's a big factor. Yeah, absolutely. The flatness of the oh, terrain absolutely. is huge. There's yeah. some, there's some that are brutal. Yeah, this is it's all runnable. Yeah, a slight increase of of elevation going up uh, one way, but uh, so it's very runnable, um, and um, 
What was I talking about? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. The nice thing oh, about a podcast, oh, oh. though, is that we can get technical with this. I mean, we can get in the weeds yeah, if you want yeah. to. So, 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 so pacing-wise, so, so you, oh, one of the secrets about 100 milers. So the cutoff is 30 hours okay. uh, for something like that. So for a 30-hour 100-miler uh, on an on a easy course, you can, you can literally walk the whole thing if mm. you wanted to. you got to keep after it. And you can't stop and go to sleep or anything, but you can walk 100 miles in, in 30 hours. It, the, the pace is, is very doable. When I, when I ran my first 100-miler was, was, at, was at Tunnel Hill. I, I didn't understand. I didn't, I didn't do the typical 50K, 50-miler, 100-miler. Yeah. I just went saying, okay, I'm going to run a 100-miler just straight into it. And I, I didn't really understand, same thing. I didn't really understand training or anything, or I didn't understand pacing. And so I went out and I ran it. And I, and, uh, I ran fairly well for, for 65 miles. And at about the 65-mile point, my, my legs just, I, I'm not sure what happened. I think it was hip flexors. But I couldn't make the running motion. Okay. I mean, just physically, I just, I just couldn't. My legs could not pick up to, to do the running motion after 65 miles. And so I had to walk the last 35 miles of the race. Wow. <laughs> and, but an interesting thing, in those 35 miles, I only got passed by one person. So it kind of says something about how people slow down yeah. in a race. But yeah. even with that, so I walked for 35 miles. I finished in 22 and a half hours and with a 30-hour cutoff. And so there's there's lots of time in in a hundred miler if you, you know if you're able to keep going, mm-hmm. but you want to put in a significant amount of miles if you're going to uh, try something of a hundred miler. So if if you have yeah. thoughts about doing yeah. an ultra, I, w- I would start with something much shorter, and just learn the pacing of what it takes to do something like that. How does hydration work? Uh, how does it work? Well, just in, with, <laughs> a, take water with a, in with a regiment like this, <laughs> with a regiment, like how much water did you have yeah. to drink? So, and that's a good question because I've failed at that a couple of times in the past. Uh, one, one, one good example. Um, and this was, this was part of the, so, so I had great success three weeks ago. Okay. You got, I got to say in all aspects, uh, that was just a very successful race, right? Uh, second best in the world, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Uh, but uh, one of the things that made that a success was that in, um, uh, was it May? I think it was May. I went up and I tried another, uh, my first 48 hours up in New Jersey. And so I went up to New Jersey to try my first 48-hour race. And it was an epic failure. Okay. Just epic failure. And... The, but the nice thing about that is the lessons I learned from that were lessons I could take into this race. And, and they were things that I knew uh, on paper. I knew that I shouldn't do this and I shouldn't do that. But sometimes you have to have an, an epic failure to just kind of really solidify those, those lessons and say, no, you know what's going to happen if you do that. And one of the things was on hydration. So it, it, it was outside. It wasn't a controlled environment. Um, and I was, uh, I went out too fast. I, I had a pacing strategy, but I, I ignored it. And mm. so I, 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 I was ahead of my pace 
and and I wasn't taking in enough fluids. And so what happens when you don't take in enough fluids? And and I knew I wasn't taking enough fluids at one point. It was it was nine hours into the race, and I hadn't gone to the bathroom at all. So nine hours of running, and I hadn't hadn't peed at all. And and after a little bit after that, I finally said, you know, was starting to think about it, and I said, okay, maybe I have to go now. So <laughs> so I went into the bathroom. And, and again, this is, I don't know if this is TMI for, for this, but, but you know, I'm going to bleep stuff out. I can. (laughs) So I'm going to the bathroom and it's just this dark, dark, uh, liquid, uh, coming out and maybe comes out, you know, uh, an eighth of a cup comes out and it's just like, Oh, this is not good. And so I, I start running a little bit more and I, I get another couple miles in and, and I, on that course, there was a one tiny little, you, you, you had a curve and a slight uphill, very slight and very slight curve, but, but just enough to change your muscle function uh-huh. going, going around that corner. And, and uh, I hit that corner and both of my calves just seized up. And it's happened a couple times before, but it's a clear sign of dehydration. And you had they, been running for nine hours at this point. Yeah, nine yeah. hours, maybe nine and a half, maybe maybe close to ten at that point, somewhere okay. in there. Okay. Uh, but they both seized up really bad, and and so much so that when that happens, you can't you can't move. Hmm. And so I, they both seized up, and I I just toppled over. Oh gosh. Fortunately, right on that corner, there was a pile of um, of mulch, and I fell into this pile of mulch. And was just screaming. Oh, I was screaming. On one level, I'm screaming because it hurts so bad. On on another level, I'm screaming and just pounding the mulch because I knew. And I'm just saying, stupid, 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 stupid. Because I knew it was my own fault, you know. Can you stretch it out or is it just... All you can do in something like that, you can't stretch it out. Fortunately, it had happened to me a couple years ago. Uh, actually happened in my very first ultra. Okay. Uh, which which is another story. Very first ultra. They, they have this thing called uh, Run Under the Stars, which uh, there's a group of of uh, people in in the Jackson area. I have separate issue, but but man, what a great um, my my running community is just awesome. My best friends are in the running community, mm. and I really enjoy it. But uh, a lot of us go up to this uh, Run Under the Stars. Starts at eight o'clock at night, and it's a ten-hour race around a half-mile horse track up in Paducah, and that was my very first entry into the uh, ultra world, and and I was running around that, and same kind of thing. Didn't drink enough, and um, maybe eight hours in, maybe seven hours in, both legs cramped up, mm-hmm. and just fell flat on my face. Uh, fortunately, at that one, somebody knew. Uh, hey. The only thing you can do is you got to be picked up and start walking again. And so as much as it hurts, that's the only thing you can do. And, wow. and so I knew at this race up in New Jersey, I said, hey, because they were telling me, should we call an ambulance? You know, what should we do? <laughs> and I said, nah, the only thing you can do is pick me up and, and send me on my way. And so I, I kind of walked it out. And, and so that was a big failure. So your question is on hydration. Um yeah, you, you want to be able to monitor that. Um, there's a big uh, big thing in the running world now about 
how to hydrate because it, it had been in the, they went through a season of saying, you just need to drink and drink and drink. You have to keep ahead of your fluids and you need to make sure that even if you're not thirsty, you're drinking. And, uh, and what they found is that it's, it, it's actually can be dangerous to overdrink. Mm-hmm. And uh, hyponutrenia, I think it's called. But people have actually died out there of, of drinking too much. And you, you lose the, the electrolyte balance in your body and your, your, your system just shuts down. Poisoned by water. Yeah. yeah. So you don't want to drink too much, but at the same time, you need to monitor that and make sure that you're drinking. And one good way, not, not the only way. Uh, and this can be overdone as well, and I think my crew got a little carried away with that. Okay, <laughs> is um, is by by making sure that you're peeing uh, mm-hmm. regularly, and and like I say, I think that can be overdone. I don't think you have to pee every hour or something like that. Uh, but y- you you know, if you're not peeing for ten hours, that's probably a good sign that something's amiss as well. And so now it's much more uh, drink when you're thirsty. Make sure that you're taking something in. Just um, kind of listening to your body. What yeah, it's, what listening it wants. to your body th- that can be dangerous as well in a long, long race. Okay. Uh, because you lose the ability to listen to your body, uh, and that it can be in calories uh, is probably even more important. You know, in the beginning, you know, I I have the mental faculty to be able to 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 really keep track of my calories and to say, okay, I, I know I took this in. I, I need to get this, you know, and really monitor that. Man, 30 hours, 40 hours into a race, you're not even thinking about that. Your mm-hmm. body doesn't want to eat anything, you know, and if you're, if you're not careful with that, uh, you, you'll shut down and not mm-hmm. be able to finish the race. And so my crew was very good with the calories, and they would just um, – because again, you, you don't feel like anything. Yeah. So they would they would give me we we had it set up where they were going to have baggies filled with a variety of different things, different baggies, and uh, each of them had a hundred calories, and so they would just present me with three options, and they would just say, take one of these. You need to you need to eat this. Wow. No option. Yeah. Take one. Pick which yeah. one looks good, and just eat it. <laughs> and you had a good crew. Yeah. Yeah. They were they were awesome. So wow. You got to kind of have that as well, but. Uh, I think we did well. So, so all that to say, um, in the dome, uh, since it was 55 degrees controlled temperature, you don't need as, as much liquid Yeah, yeah. as you, as you might need, you know, if it's, uh, 70, 80 degrees outside. So you got to kind of watch that. One thing that if I, if I ever do any any race like this over again one thing that i'm going to try to do differently is is have more strength training because right. uh, i basically good, didn't yeah, do any question. i didn't didn't do hardly any strength training it was all running and that really took a toll on me and yeah. i didn't notice the toll until i was in the marathon yeah and that that's a great question i'm glad you asked it because uh the other thing that and this is even more so for older runners um older runners you start to to, you know, your, your muscles start to atrophy some and you start to lose the strength uh, much quicker than somebody mm. who's in their 20s, 30s and stuff. And so you need to be proactive with that. So so one of the things that, again, back to my New Jersey failure. Okay. Um, one of the things that happened there was actually before the race even started, I drove up 
uh, to New Jersey, which was, uh, you know, a long trip in the car. And I slept the night before because I'm so cheap. I, I slept uh, on the road. I, I had a mattress in the back, a little foam, uh, memory foam thing in the back, which in the past has worked well, but I think I that my setup was different. And so it, it uh, I, I pulled into a rest area and I slept the night and I got up in the morning and I literally couldn't walk. And, and the race was going to start in about 24 hours and, and mm-hmm. I couldn't walk. Wow. And it, it was just like, oh man, you're kidding me. And so I spent the whole day, you know, I finished out the trip and I've spent the whole day trying to ice it and put different things, stretching and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and by the time I got to the race, it ended up not being an issue. But, but one of the things I came away from there with is, man, I need to focus on some core work. Hmm. Uh, really need to focus on that if I'm going to uh, be able to be an ultra runner of this magnitude. And so I, I came back just, just really fired up about core work. And <laughs> it's funny. Uh, so I, I, I said I coach cross country. Yes. And, and w- one of the things probably I do differently than most cross country coaches is I do every, everything that I tell the kids to do. So it's, it works out really good for me with what I'm trying to accomplish is because, you know, we're running in the afternoon when it's 100 degrees uh, all through the summer. And so I'm out running with the kids. I'm doing the workouts oh, wow. that I tell them. Yeah. And so the, the kids uh, also this year have, have noticed that I, I, I asked the parents to be able to allowed to extend the practice from what we've had in the past years. And uh, the extra time we're spending on core work. Hmm. And why are we doing that? Well, I'm very upfront with them. I said, the main reason we're doing it is because I need it. (laughs) And so Hmm. we're all going to do core work. And That's really cool that that you do the runs actually with them. Yeah. Instead of standing from the sidelines. Well, one of the things it does is, uh, you know, it's very selfish on my part in a way. If if I'm going to continue to coach... You know, I, I want to have the benefit of being able to get something out of it uh, physically. And so it, there's a certain part that's selfish. But but from the kids' st- point of view, I never have kids complain. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. never they never complain about, yeah. about what I'm asking them to do because I'm out there doing the same thing. Yeah. And so th- they're very good about that. So yeah. anyway, we, we, we did core work. And so more core work than I've done uh, leading up to any race, uh, you know, core work is one of those things that as a runner, uh, everybody, every runner will say, oh yeah, core work's important, but, but so many of us fail to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and I could see, uh, the value of doing it, even though it was, it was only for about maybe a three month block that I did core work really well. Uh, you could look at, you know, if you're going to run for 48 hours, you know, there was a lot of people that, that get these weird leans where they're just really bent over to one side uh, or, or they're hunched over okay. or else they're just having to take long breaks because they can't continue. And my, my form, I think, if you look at the f- form of my last, you know, in the 48th hour, I think it, it looked pretty much the same as the first hour. And but one of the things I've I've come away from that with is that I'm I'm doubling down on on core. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to do your squats and your lunges and your planks and your, you know, all the the stomach exercises. Yeah, I think those are the little things you have to refine. 
That's the part of training that's not fun. Oh, yeah. Squats are not yeah. fun. Squats are not fun, particularly in the beginning. Yeah. You know, squats are one of those weird things that you, you do squats, uh, and everybody will say the same thing. You go out, and if you haven't done any, go out and do uh, 20 or 30, you know, low, low squats. And, and they won't feel bad. You, you, you'll yeah. do them and you'll say, oh, that wasn't a big deal. Yeah. But the next morning, you may not be able to get out of bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. so that's, uh, I, I really want to be better at that. And then, uh, you know, other things, I think there are other muscles of strength training mm-hmm. uh, that if, if I don't do something with that, I mean, it's your, your, your arms and your shoulders and, you know, your chest. Yeah. It just really starts to atrophy as you get older. So I need, to, I need to do a better job of that. One thing I've noticed with squatting is that it, it makes me more form-focused, which is important for right, running. Right. It's because there's, there's more instant feedback. Yep. You know, if you, if you don't have good form when you squat, you feel it pretty quickly yeah, yeah, um, yeah. in a way that you might not necessarily when you're running. Yeah. So it, it kind of puts you in the correct form mindset. Yeah. And, and uh, for a lot of people, it might be, you know, I, I don't understand what this is doing for mm. me. I don't understand what the benefit of that, you know, how is this affecting my running? Yeah. And, and I tell people, you know, look, you know, having a great race, uh, probably at any distance, but, but a a marathon is maybe more uh, easier to, to, uh, talk about for most people. So, so to have a great marathon race, it's, you know, 95% or even more the training, you know, you're training how you train, the miles you put in, the different types of speed work that you did. It's, it's all about that. Uh, the, the vast majority is going to be that. But there's the other little bit that if you're really trying to get the, the absolute best time that you can possibly get, mm-hmm. there's, there's a, and, and that's what the elites are, are focused on. You know, a lot of them can run a 210 marathon, for example. But if they want to get down to a to 205, and this may be bad examples, but but you know they've got to do the other little things, and so that's where the even the shoes that you wear, the way that you're gonna, uh, the 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 fuel that you're gonna take in mm-hmm. the, the the hours before or during the race, or the way that you're going to hydrate, all those little things that come into account, th- th- those are gonna be, be the things that really help you get the absolute most out of your body that you can. So yeah, strength training, all for it. Injury prevention too. Okay, uh, that, all right. That's going to help with with injury prevention. Uh, I've been very fortunate with that. Haven't really. I think uh, running slower in general uh, for the majority of your miles helps with injury prevention as well. I've been very fortunate to not have any major setbacks for injury. I've had a few little, few little niggles here and there, but. Nothing major that set me out for like a half a year or anything like that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that gets back to uh, the gratefulness aspect oh, that you yeah, talked about at the yeah, beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, what about um, recovery afterwards? What does yeah. recovery look like? And and uh, <laughs> I'm still going through that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So usually for like even a marathon. Isn't that terrible of me to say? Even something as short as a marathon. (laughs) Uh, But even a marathon, it's common to to come out of a marathon and just get the crud. 
you know, where, yeah. where it's almost like you have the flu or something, uh -huh. but, uh, but your immunities get shot. And so uh, it's been very common for me anyway, to come out of a marathon and to have a week where I just, just feel, don't really feel that good. Uh, but, um, like, well, if, if I go back to like when I ran Boston, um, it took me quite a while to be able to run again, uh, quite a while, meaning, you know, numbers of days uh -huh. uh, before I could do any kind of running. Um, now recovering from a marathon, uh, I'm going to be able to run after a couple days and, and then I will slowly build up mileage a week after, you know, if I want to go out for a 10 mile run, it's, it's not that big a deal. And so a week after I'm feeling pretty good. And, and I can build up my mileage pretty quickly after a marathon. Okay. Even, even um, an easy 100-miler, you know, I've, I've run some uh, even shorter distances that have been harder than an than a easy 100-miler. But um, even that, uh, yeah, I'm not going to feel really good uh, for a handful of days. But, you know, within a, within a week, I'm, I'm ready to get back at it. Uh, this is something else has gone on with this and I'm, I'm three weeks out now and still just not feeling quite right. Uh, for, for the, and it may be, it may be unrelated to recovery at this point. Okay. Uh, but the, the thing that kind of lingered the most, my legs felt okay. My feet were pretty blistered up. I've, I've now lost five toenails, <laughs> uh, but losing toenails is, is very common in ultras. And not as big a deal as what it sounds. Yeah, but, I've heard I've heard multiple stories yeah, about that. It's, it's yeah, it's not that big a deal. I, I did get some real bad blisters. Uh, th that was a surprise for me. I got to do something about that because I, I'm not one who has blistered in the past. And for some reason, I got some really bad blisters uh, uh, during this race. Uh, but those those have healed up uh, nicely. Um, but. And so my, my legs have healed and my muscles feel pretty well. Um, one of, well, two surprises. One was my whole rib cage. I'm not sure why. It, it could just be trying to maintain that posture for so long. Uh, the breathing, uh, you know, the constant uh, breathing like I was having to do for, for 48 hours, really no break, not, not, practicing that it almost felt like my ribs were bruised hmm. and uh that that probably lasted two weeks wow uh where there was just pain i, I kind of had pain almost in my back uh portion of the rib cage where i've where i felt like i maybe had a kidney infection uh but again after two weeks that that's pretty much okay the the thing that's lingering now is is a nagging stomach uh issue that I'm, I'm not really sure uh, what's going on with that. I'm, uh, I think it, you know, the first week, it was so bad that I, I couldn't hardly eat anything. Hmm. And so I got really weak and, and uh, wasn't sleeping at night. Went in to, to the doctor and he gave me some um, just basic uh, uh, antacid type stuff. And, and that seemed to help, but allowed me to eat. Uh, but now it's it's just lingering, and I'm wondering if there's like a uh, a type of ulcer that kind of developed that I kind of need to to take care of. But 
so, so I guess I have to group that in the, the recovery time. And I guess three weeks uh, for something like this, a three-week recovery isn't terrible. Um, I'm, I still, like I ran with the kids yesterday. I ran with my wife yesterday morning. I ran with a running group Oh, your wife's Sunday. a runner also. She okay. is, yeah. She's training for a, her, her distance, her favorite distance now is a half marathon. And so she's kind of bought into letting me coach her and nice. And so we went out and ran yesterday morning. Uh, but but I ran with a running group on did ten miles on Sunday. So I so I, I can run, uh, but something just isn't quite right yet. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll it'll I'm hoping, uh, based on the races I have coming up, I'm hoping that by early next week I'll be back to being able to start a, a an actual training plan again. Do you have, do you have any, any big race coming up that you can sort of mentally be preparing for that kind of keeps you moving? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the St. Jude was to be the the next big thing. And I, I'm, I'm, unless I can get back at it and get my speed back up, that that's probably not going to be a, a goal race where I, where I can meet my goal, but, yeah. but the, the jury's still out on that. I'll, I'll know in another handful of weeks. You still going to try to run it either way, even if it's yeah, not, I'll, I'll still yeah. run it. I mean, yeah. I'm already signed up for it. Yeah. Uh, I'll still try to run it, but, but I probably, I'm not sure if I have the ability to, to meet the time that I, w- I was hoping for, uh-huh. but, but I'll know that, uh, the nice thing about marathon training anyway is that you know now that now that I actually know what training means and stuff, um, it, it's it's a little more predictable than um, you know a, assuming weather and stuff like that. Weather is always a factor that that. You, but but yeah. on a great day, um, you ought to be able to predict if if you've if you've been diligent in your training and honest in your training and understand what training means, you ought to be able to predict your, your marathon time uh, pretty well, uh, given weather conditions. Always, there's always parts of things you just have no idea what's going what's gonna to happen. So I, I ought to be able to tell if I'm on pace for that in another handful of weeks. And then, then I'm going to be going up. I, I am signed up for Tunnel Hill again, the 100-miler uh, okay. in the first part of November. Interesting story with that. Um, so we have a good friend in town owns owns Fleet Feet, uh, uh, the Fleet Feet uh, shoe store. Okay, uh, who has done just great things for the running community. Uh, but he wanted to do his first hundred miler, and so he wanted us to sign up for this race out in uh, East Tennessee. Uh, the three of us. They wanted us to go out with him together to, for that to be his first race. And that was a, a race that really sells out quickly. And so you have to be really quick to sign up and you have to be one of the first to get in and all that. And so we, we, we all got on our computers when it opened up and we all tried to get in. And it turned out I was the only one that got in. Okay. And I was like, oh, man, I, don't, I, I really don't want to go run that. The only reason I'm running is, is for him. And so, uh, so I, I asked the race director if I could, I told him the, the story and he let me get out and gave me my money back. And so the, the next thing was to sign up for Tunnel Hill. Okay. Tunnel Hill is, is much easier to get into because they, they are able to have a lot more people. So all three of us signed up for Tunnel Hill. And then, um, 
again, I'm not sure if I would have signed up for it on my own, uh, but we signed up for it. And then turns out he got injured, mm-hmm. and so he's not able to run it. And so it's just me and my other friend are, are signed up for it. And so assuming that I'm able to get running again, and I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll be okay, mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll try to run that, and I'll try to do well at it. How long did you say Tunnel Hill is? It's 100 miles. It's 100 miles, yeah, okay. Yeah, and it's the relatively flat. So it's, it's pretty, yeah, I mean, if, if there's such a thing, if, if somebody's, uh, what I tell people is, if you're looking for an easy 100 miler, and especially if you're looking for your first 100 miler, uh, just want to explore the distance. It's a great race for that uh, because it's flat. It's taking out those variables. Um, much, much more difficult 100 milers out there. You really can't compare uh, times for different courses. Um, so so that one's, um, yeah, to just go explore the distance, it's a great, great race to do. Someone was explaining, I was listening to a, a podcast about running, and someone was explaining that one of the reasons why there aren't a whole lot of, of running competitions in the Olympics is because the terrain is such a variable. So, Oh, for, for longer distances? Yeah, for longer distances in the Olympics and stuff like that because yeah. they change locations, right. you know, every, every time. So. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know that, uh, that they're I'm, – I'm not sure that they're as concerned about that okay. as they are just about, you know, opening up a new category, uh, what that means, you know, uh-huh. for it. Uh, to see them open up a hundred mile race, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I, I, <laughs> that would that would be that'd be interesting. Yeah, uh, if they did that. Well, speaking of shoes, you just mentioned shoes a little bit ago. Yeah, we were talking before I hit record. We were talking about running in sandals. Yeah, you want you want to explain what we were talking about there? Well, um, so there's there's a so so I don't run in sandals. I, w- I was telling you that I, I bought my first pair, and it just came in the mail uh, last night, so I'm wearing them right now, uh-huh. a pair of Tevas. Okay. Um, but there's a, a great ultra runner in Tennessee, Greg Armstrong, um, you know, one, one of the best uh, uh, long-distance runners in the country, I would say. Hmm. Uh, but he, he runs in sandals all the time, runs in okay. the, these exact sandals because okay. I asked him, you know, what he would recommend. And he said, the, my favorite are the ones that I'm wearing, but they're discontinued. Okay. So I actually got these on eBay. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but he runs in them all the time. So, so they're de- you definitely can uh, run in them. And so I, I kind of told him that, you know, and I, I, I want to explore it. I, I wanted this fall just kind of uh, experiment with it uh, to see what it feels like and yeah. stuff. I am uh, one that in the past has has really believed in in a, a much more minimal type of uh running shoe. And so uh, all of my early training uh and marathon training, all my fast pace work is is in a uh much more minimal shoe. Minimal meaning, you know, not a lot of padding, mm-hmm. not a lot of support mm-hmm. in the shoe. Uh and so the the sandals definitely fit that um, as far as being minimal and not much support. Yeah. Uh, I did, you know, I, I talk about uh, other blessings. Um, the, the, the owner of, uh, the, uh, store here, who, who is my good friend, it turns out that, that he wears the exact same size shoe that I wear. Okay. And so when you're an owner of a store, you, 
probably have to wear the latest versions yeah. of shoes. And so you probably don't get all the miles in a shoe that could be put on a shoe. And so he has given me several pair of, of shoes that he has, uh, is no longer wearing, but still has lots of miles on them. And, and I'm kind of famous in the, the area for putting more miles on shoes yeah. than, than what you should put on anyway. And so I have these uh, uh, hokas, which are shoes that are kind of pride themselves as having excess uh, cushion in them. Okay. So it, it was a little change for me, certainly. Uh, but I, I justified that in saying that, you know, for the extra miles anyway, and for the kind of the more slow slogging type of miles, that this might be good for my shoes. I mean, this might be good for my feet. Uh-huh in not putting a lot of stress on them. So I, so I ran, I've run a lot of miles in the Hoka's and, and in the race, I, r- I wore the Hoka's. The 220 yeah, mile run. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I ran in Hoka's. Did that help with blisters you think? Or? Uh, it didn't help with blisters, but, but I'm, I probably have to figure out on my own side, there's something, I don't think it was a shoe's fault. Okay. okay. I, I think that there's uh, things that I need to do a little bit differently. Uh, and mainly because I had never given blisters a thought because yeah. I'd never blistered before. Uh, but I think the thing that I will do differently this time is maybe train in a more minimal type of shoe and then maybe race in a thicker shoe. Huh. And the reason for that is I think that the training in the more minimal, you know, h- helps build up that uh, uh, tolerance, build up the, the ability to slap your feet for, for 48 hours or longer. And then, then in the actual race, kind of take some of the pressure off maybe. So, and you don't think that would affect the, the muscles in your leg adjusting to the different kind of yeah uh, support? Y- you know, I, I don't, I, it's all an experiment. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, my my going in position is that I think it would be okay. Okay. Uh, because it's not the, the the shoe is basically flat. Uh huh. And the, the but it just has a lot more cushion. Okay. And you know I don't know. It's it's I there's there's a, a real good runner in in not in the area but in the country, who has a a blog site called the the puzzle of running. And he's brilliant, uh, but but the, the title of that is is exactly the way he he treats this is that it's a puzzle, mm-hmm. and one of the things that drives him on uh, is trying to figure out the puzzle. And there's so many variables that, that you don't. I mean, we touched on yeah. several of them. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there are a lot of variables with that to just say, I, I you know, how do all these things fit together? to be able to get the absolute most uh, that you can out of what you've been given. And, and I think of anything that, that just drives me kind of as a curiosity uh, point and a motivation point, it is that. You know, if I go back to, you know, man, I, you know, the, the, the thing that I can't deny, uh, you know, again, where it came from and why and all those kind of things, I don't have that figured out yet. But, um, the thing that I can't deny is that I have been given something, or not even been given, but, but I have something that I had nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. And so um, I wonder what 
I could do with that. And so some of that is by you got to put your shoes on and you got to get out the door and you got to, you know, be very disciplined uh, with putting in the effort. And now it's it's uh, there's a lot to that that says you've got to put in the work and there's a lot of work. Yeah. But there's yeah. A, there's also all those little little variables in there that you got to say, OK, I, I, I need to figure out the puzzle. I need to figure out the the, the nutrition during a race. Uh, if, if I go into a, a six day event. Uh, figuring out the sleep. I think I got the sleep figured out for 48. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I can stay up for 48 hours. I think I've shown that. Um, but but how do I do my diet even going in? You know, like I, I'm a, you didn't ask, so I'll, I'll tell you anyway, but <laughs> I'm, I, 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 I don't eat meat. I don't eat dairy. And so I, I, I do eat eggs, so I'm technically not a vegan. Okay. I, I think there's actually... A, w- a word for it I stumbled on the other day of somebody who uh, eats eggs but doesn't eat meat or or, um, or dairy. But Is this for uh, physiological reasons or, or religious <laughs> reasons? Or Yeah, g- good question. Um, it, uh, it, it's always interesting, uh, so I'll back up with that as well. It's always interesting that when somebody says, yeah, I don't eat meat and I don't eat dairy, the, the, the question is always, well, why? But at the same time, we never ask why if somebody eats meat and eats, eats dairy. We don't ask why. Why do <laughs> right? you eat meat? Yeah. 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 I mean, because – and why is that? It's, because, it's the same reason of, of you know, I, I run uh, 200 miles. Well, why do you do that? Well, it's kind of the same thing that we ask why of people who do, who do things that are outside of what we classify as the norm. Yeah, yeah. But we fail to – and this is a bigger picture thing. We, we don't ask the why questions of what we consider norm. You know, why do we do the things that we do? You know, and it's worth just pondering. Yeah. It's yeah, worth just yeah, asking those yeah, questions on some level. But uh, it's a good question. It started off actually with the same daughter that uh, got me running uh, back when she was uh, maybe, I forget, maybe, you know, grade school, late grade school. Uh, she just uh, started getting really freaked out by by meat hmm. at a time and, and, and just wasn't able to. And so she came to me at one point and she asked me, she asked me this question and just said, Daddy, d- do I have to eat meat in order to, to survive? And I had to say, well, no, you don't, you don't have to in order to survive. You can survive without eating meat. And so she asked, she asked my permission to become a vegetarian. And this is when she was, I forget, I should, I should get the exact dates uh, so I know the story better, but, but maybe 10 years old or something. Okay, all say. right. And, um, and so I said, well, yeah, the, the, the deal is if, if you do this, you can't just stop eating meat. You have to eat other things to be able to supplement that. Yeah, we need to yeah. figure that out. You can't just... Good protein yeah, sources. Yeah, you and, need yeah. To, you, we need to figure this out, and you need to be good about that. And so, uh, so I said, well, I'll, yes, and I'll, I'll do this with you. And so I became a vegetarian at the time, and, and at the time we, we still did dairy. But uh, and I did lots of dairy, man. I put cheese on everything. But, but I did it purely out of something to support her. And so the number of years went by, and, and so just something we did. I just stopped eating meat. And then she was, she was homeschooled at the time, and she was going to go into to a, a, a private school. And she was 
she she analyzed her situation and very smart on her part. She analyzed her situation and, and, and concluded that, you know, it's going to be hard enough to go into a school and feel like you're different and and wanting to fit in. I just don't know that I can go into a school and be a vegetarian and be that separated and different and, and worried about, you know, getting picked on and that kind of stuff. Mm. So she made the decision to start eating meat again. And so I, I, I took her to, uh, to I don't think we have them here, but um, um, I even forget the name, a, a burger chain in, in Texas. Okay, all right. And uh, so, so we went there, and she had her first burger and, and started eating meat. But, but it was just weird. It, it wasn't uh, any particular reason. It was just at the time, it was, it was something that had become part of who I was. Yeah, so you've I, continued it. I was a person who didn't eat meat. And it just was something that I, I found that I, I couldn't start doing. Huh. <laughs> it was it wasn't planned. It just uh, huh. something I couldn't start start doing. And so I, I continued at the time to to not eat meat. And then since then have uh, you know there's some very famous uh, some of the best ultra runners of all time have been vegan. And um, just kind of learned more about it and learned that it's no big deal and yeah and just something that I I, I don't do and so yeah. It's, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, I eat a lot of beans and rice and, uh, my wife and I have a system worked out where it works well for us. Other people it wouldn't work for, but, uh, I mean, she's, we have a great relationship with that and she cooks her own food and I cook my own food and, and we're just good with it. Yeah. So yeah. it works well. The hardest part, the hardest part is. Is uh is because she really likes to go out to to dinner someplace, and the hardest part is is going out to places where you can get something that I can eat really. And if they have if they have one good thing on the menu, I'm good. And uh, but a lot of times it's hard to even find that one thing. So how many how many calories in a typical day do you eat? You know I I don't track calories. Okay, I'm okay. not a calorie tracker. But to put that in, uh, to give you an, an idea of what you have to do when you run at this level is whatever your, your normal calorie, and, and I forget the, the normal calorie intake, 2,500 calories, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. So, so if 2,500 calories is your normal calorie intake, if you're running uh, uh, 20 miles a day, which I was training for this, uh, 20 miles a day became pretty standard on most days. Uh, you're burning 100 calories an hour yeah. extra. Yeah. So that's an extra 2,000 calories. And so you have, to, you have to focus on that to make sure that you're taking in extra calories. So you're taking in 4,500 calories uh, just to maintain. Mm-hmm. So 4,500 calories is a lot of calories. Um, I, I, I do add a lot of uh, oils to the things I cook. So a lot of like grapeseed oil or olive oil, those kind of things. Uh, and just um, uh, pretty pretty good sized portions. Yeah. Um, and to be clear, because this is going to be audio format, you are not a big guy. No, I mean, you're, I, I mean, you're I'm, not I'm, overweight I'm, at all. I'm it's, I'm six yeah. one, and so back a number of years ago, I I kind of maxed out about one ninety five. Yeah. Uh, lost uh, some, and for a long time hung around one seventy one seventy five. And as I started running more and more, the you know I kind of was down to 165. Yeah. And as I've become an ultra runner, 
kind of dropped down to one one low 150s are kind of my um, kind of my standard now uh, where where that, you know I, I don't really drop I, that that's kind of where I am all the time yeah yeah low 150s I will say and you got to really be careful with this what you know when I said about a marathon um, where you know, 95% is training, but then there's there's that small little other thing if you want to really maximize. At some level, weight comes into the equation. Mm. It just does. Uh, again, you want to be careful with that because you don't want to just lose weight to think you're going to get faster. You have to do the training, yeah. and it's that small percentage that it's going to help you. Uh, but when I'm trying to run my very best marathon, I will drop my weight down even further and I will, for, for a handful of weeks, I'll be down around 145, and that's my absolute low. Um, and then after the marathon, I'll allow myself to, to, to come back up. Yeah. So, I, I suspect that in, in human history, with the more hunter-gatherer lifestyle, uh, a high-calorie uh, way of living was probably the norm. Because yeah. people were moving around right, so right, much, right. and it's not like you were sitting around all day in the cave or right. something like that. So, and I mean, this is a whole separate rant. You, you didn't have all the processed sugars, yeah, and, uh, right, right, yeah, <laughs> the sodas and yeah. all those kind of things, yeah, uh, that just are yeah. really causing problems yeah. in our society. So the body can actually do really well with four or five thousand calories a day, but you have to be active. You have in to order, be putting yeah, in yeah. putting in a lot of miles. Yeah, uh, yeah, running around. Yeah. Well, we are coming up near the end of our time. Oh, um, wow. Is there, yeah, the time goes by quickly. Yeah. Is there anything you would like to end with? I've really enjoyed talking with you. This has been a blast. Yeah, this has been, uh, I got to admit, this has been easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, I, I guess uh, the, the last thing, if I had any last thing, is that, you know, I'm going to keep doing what I do and I'm going to keep you know, striving for excellence, whatever that means. I, I think, again, I, I'm, I'm kind of consumed. <laughs> my daughter jokes, same one that got me running. Mm-hmm. She, she semi-jokes uh, sometimes that the dad has been in an existential crisis for the last 10 years. You know? Okay. <laughs> and, and, and some of that, you know, is, you know, what that means uh, for me is, uh, is is this kind of search for purpose uh and i think on a a level i don't think you should be consumed with that but i think everybody ought to at least ponder that question a little bit you know is is that uh you know whether it's i've been created or i'm i'm who i am uh regardless there's still that that question of okay but uh now what Mm-hmm. Uh, what ought you to do with with what you have? Yeah, and so I, I still would like to wrestle with that and and come to some something that I, I can kind of cling to a little bit better. Uh, I would like to think that there's a a more uh, cosmic purpose uh, <laughs> to what I'm doing. Yeah, uh, on one level, running is a pretty selfish endeavor. Uh, you're just out there on your own, and you're out there chasing these goals that. Uh, when I, when, when I first set a, uh, when I first got the 58 year old, uh, state record, um, my, my dear wife, uh, kind of joked with me about that. She says, well, well, what does this get you? 
And, and the conclusion ultimately was, well, it gets my name on some random website and some random location that somebody would have to stumble on to find. So, uh, mm. but, 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 you know, even chasing world records, it's kind of a, a selfish endeavor. Um, and so you would like to think, you know, maybe it is all selfish, but you'd like to think that there's a bigger uh, reason that could be had from it. And so I would like to continue to explore that and even encourage others to, to explore that in their own life is to mm -hmm. look at the things that, that you are grateful for and whatever your conclusion on why they're there. Yeah. Uh, find those things that, that you are just super grateful for and then go out and, and kind of maximize those things and to say, what is a, what is a bigger purpose of those things? That's great. Well, I've in my own life and, I mean, I'm sure you can probably speak to this too, is that running is, is such a brilliant parable for other aspects oh, of yeah, life. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you mentioned Paul earlier. Yeah. He uses the running analogy yeah. multiple yeah. times. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, best of luck to you. Thanks so Thank much. you so much for joining yeah, me. This You're has a been great. fascinating person, it's and I appreciate great. it. So, all right, signing out.